This is the 4501 Podcast, episode 14, How to Make a Website for Dummies. Yet another episode of the 451 Podcast. I'm your host, Tony. My co-host is not with us this week. He is super busy with work, school, all that stuff. That's okay. We'll be back together next week. Anyway, we're going to be talking about how to make a website. And I really feel like I am a qualified person to teach this to you guys. The first website I ever made was my senior year in college. So that's 2011, 2012. And I was in a class called Web Programming. And we made a couple different websites throughout the course there. And since then, 2019 today, I've probably made dozens and dozens of websites. um, Some built from scratch, some using WordPress, and everything in between. So, um, like I said, uh, I think I'm a qualified person for this episode. So, yeah, let's just get right into it. Whenever you're going to make a website, there are, I'd say, two critical pieces that you need. One is a domain name, and the other one is a web host. So we're going to dive into each one of those. I'm going to give you the specifics for each one and why you need them and how you can get them. So let's first start off with a domain name. So if you're not familiar with that kind of lingo or that jargon, a domain name is simply the address that you type into an address bar in a web browser. So google.com is a domain name. cnn.com is a domain name. And the451podcast.com is a domain name. And a domain name is broken up into, I'd say, two parts. So you got the top level domain name, which is the .com extension in those cases. There's also other common top-level domain extensions like .edu, .org, .net. And it's worth pointing out that recently in the past few years, they're coming up with more and more top-level domain names such as .news, .guru, and even .restaurant and .creditcard. There's hundreds and hundreds of these domain extensions. And when I say domain extensions, uh, it's just another way to say a top-level domain. So in addition to that, you also have the second level domain, which in the case of google.com, the second level domain would be Google. And then for the 451podcast.com, the second level domain would be the 451 podcast. And I think a fun fact to insert here, uh, I, I was looking up some stuff before recording this episode. The oldest domain name is symbolics.com, which was registered in 1985. And some of the first 100 domain names that were ever registered were like Xerox.com, HP.com, AT&T.com, and even Apple.com. So I thought that was just pretty cool back in the 80s, you know, when the web started to become more prominent. um, These are some of the first websites that were actually registered. So that's all fine and dandy, but what exactly is a domain name? What purpose does it serve? Well, you might have heard of an IP address before. A domain name is essentially a human-readable form of an IP address. So I'm sure you all heard of like an IP address before. If not, IP stands for Internet Protocol. And it's essentially a, 
I like to use the analogy of um, like a street address for a house. For example, Loyola University, Maryland, which is where Mark and I graduated college, has an address of 4501 North Charles. And if you're not aware by this point, that's where we derive the name of this podcast from. Anyway, that address for Loyola University is unique, and it's the only address like that in the entire world. And similar to that, that's what an IP address is. It's just a, a set of digits, usually in the form of like 192.168.0.1, that uniquely identifies a computer on the network of the internet. So the IP address, like you just heard there, is a set of four digits between 0 and 255 that uniquely represents that computer on the network. So every computer, every cell phone, every tablet has an IP address, and they're all unique. But rather than memorizing the IP address of Google or the IP address of CNN.com, we have domain names to easily remember these addresses. So instead of typing, you know, like 68.25.3.1 to get to google.com, you can just type google.com. And it's actually worth pointing out here that you can type in the IP address for Google if you do know that, and there are ways you can figure that out. But you can type in that IP address into your web browser and get to Google without typing in google.com. So that's just a fun fact there. Anyway, now that we know what a domain name is and the purpose that it serves, you probably want one for your website. So you can get a domain name from a number of different registrars, domain registrars, um, but the one that I like to use is actually uh, Google. So Google has their own domain name registrar, and uh, if you want to get your own domain name from Google, you just go to domains.google. So in this case, the .google is the top level domain. It's not going to end in a .com. You just go to domains.google in your web browser and then you can pick one there. So it costs um, $12 a year to get a domain name usually. Other places might be able to get them for like 8 or $10 but I really like the way that Google has everything set up there for you on their website so that's why I'm recommending Google Domains and that's where I get all of my domain names from. All right, so once you have a domain name, the next step that you need to take is to get a web host. And what exactly is a web host? Well, the way the internet works is there's essentially computers on the internet sitting out there somewhere that their only purpose is to serve web pages to you when they get a request. So usually how it happens is you log onto your computer or you log onto your laptop or you go on your cell phone and open up Google Chrome or Firefox or Internet Explorer and you do a Google search or you type in a URL. And every time you hit that enter button or hit the search button, you make a request that it's routed through the internet to a specific computer, a single computer that interprets your request and sends you back a web page. So it's just a request and a response. And the sole purpose of those computers who are hosting these websites is to serve those web pages back to the user. So that's essentially what a web host is. And you're going to want one of these web hosts to host your website on. So that's what step two is in this process of making your own website is to get a web host. What you're essentially doing here is renting a computer, renting some space on a computer to house your website. 
All right, so you have a couple different options for hosting your website. Actually, there's there's so many options for hosting your website, um, but we're just going to focus on two that I'm very familiar with. The first one is dreamhost.com, and the second one is namecheap.com. So the reason I love DreamHost is because it offers shared hosting, and it's not the only one that offers shared hosting, but it's one, like I said, that I'm familiar with. Um, what shared hosting is is essentially multiple websites on the same computer sharing the same resources. Okay, so let's go back to Computers 101, an episode a while back. Computers have uh, RAM, okay, and that's memory, and a CPU, which is like, you know, the heartbeat of the computer, how fast it runs. And you're sharing those resources between your website and another website and, you know, multiple other websites. So the downside there is that it's going to essentially or it's going to potentially be slower, right? But if you have a website that doesn't have a lot of traffic, that doesn't have a lot of users or is not really resource hungry, that's completely fine. So for, for starter blogs, for small business websites, shared hosting is perfect. And the best part is it's very, very cheap. At just $10 a month is what I pay for my shared hosting with DreamHost. You're looking at $120 a year, which is very affordable and a really good price for hosting a website. Now on the flip side, like I mentioned in the beginning, I have many, many different websites that I host. And one of them is a diamond price tracking website called thediamondapp.com. And this is a very, very resource hungry website, meaning it uses a lot of CPU, it uses a lot of RAM and memory, and shared hosting would just not be suited for this type of you know, website. So that's why um, instead of shared hosting, there's something called dedicated hosting or a dedicated server. And that is where you get the whole computer to yourself. You're not sharing it with other websites. You get a whole dedicated computer to your website and its sole purpose is to handle the requests and give out the responses for your website. So as you would imagine, having a dedicated server or renting a dedicated server is going to be much more expensive than shared hosting. So for my website, thediamondapp.com, I pay close to $60 per month for that type of web host. Now, once your website gets to the point where you're getting a lot of traffic every day, like hundreds or thousands of users, you're going to probably want to step up to something like a dedicated server. But for starters, for beginners, for for you guys that are listening to this podcast, shared hosting is perfect for you. So I would go with dreamhost.com. All right, moving right along here, we got a lot of the logistics out of the way. We got our domain name, we got our web host, and the next thing we want to do is actually make the website itself. So we have a home for it, we have a name for it, and now we just need to make the content. So by far the most popular way to make a website nowadays in 2019 is with something called WordPress. I can't remember the exact statistic, but it's well over 20%, maybe even 30% of the websites on the internet are built with WordPress. And what WordPress is, is essentially free open source software to help you build a website. WordPress is very popular for blogs and small businesses and even other websites like static websites who that don't do much but are perfect for those type of things. Now by contrast, there are other types of website building software out there. Popular ones in 2019 are Wix and Squarespace. And although I'd never have used these services personally, so I can't recommend or not recommend them 
either way, I do know that they will end up costing you a little bit more than using WordPress and buying a domain name separately. Because what Wix and Squarespace do for you is they kind of package everything together. They'll give you hosting, they'll give you your domain name maybe, and you know support and all that stuff. But like I said, we're not going to focus on those type of services today. We're just going to be talking about WordPress, which is where I have the majority of my experience from. So let's talk about WordPress then. Once you have WordPress installed on your web host, which by the way, with DreamHost, it's super easy to install. It's literally a one-click install. So you click a button that says, I want to install WordPress on my host at this domain name, and voila, in like 30 seconds, it's installed. Once that happens, you get a very nice user interface, very intuitive user interface that allows you to write blog posts, make custom pages, change the layout of your website, change the colors, change the text of your website. It's very versatile. And that's the main reason that I love using WordPress. And that's probably the reason why it's such a popular website building software and so many websites use it. And within the world of WordPress, there are two things that I want to talk about. One is themes and the other is plugins. So as far as the design of your website is concerned, there are certain themes that are already made for you that kind of have like a certain style, certain look that you can install, try out, play around with. And if you like it, keep it. Some themes are free, some themes you have to pay for. For starters, a free theme is perfect. The The paid themes, you know, range anywhere from like $10. I've seen some that are over $100. If you're very serious about your website and you want like a nice, beautiful theme, maybe you'll spend a little extra money on the theme. But for starters, I don't recommend doing that. Familiarize yourself first with WordPress and use one of the free themes because there are so many of them, dozens and dozens, probably even hundreds and hundreds of free themes for WordPress. In addition to themes, let's talk about plugins. So what WordPress plugins are, are essentially little pieces of software that you can install onto your website that give you additional functionality. While there are hundreds and hundreds of plugins out there, some of them are free, some of them are paid. I just want to talk about a few essential plugins that I think every website should have. The first one is called Yoast SEO. The SEO there stands for Search Engine Optimization. And without getting too detailed on you guys, I'll just give you a quick overview. Search Engine Optimization allows your website to be found organically on Google. And if you want anybody to ever read your website or find your website, this is something that you want to install on your website, the Yoast SEO plugin. So what this plugin does is helps you write better blog posts. So as you're, think of like you open up a, a Google Doc or a Word document and you're typing, uh, that's what it kind of looks like inside of WordPress. But what the Yoast SEO plugin does is helps you write your blog posts in a way that is well optimized for search engines because what a search engine like Google does is essentially scans through your website, kind of reads it digitally and picks out certain keywords and those keywords are the keywords that people are potentially looking for on Google. So once Google bridges that gap between someone's query and your blog post, that's how you ultimately end up in the search results. So in addition to helping you write better blog posts, the Yoast SEO plugin optimizes your website in certain ways to make it more readable by search engines. So 
Um, that's just a few reasons why Yoast SEO should be a plugin on everybody's WordPress website. And another plugin that I think every WordPress website should have is called simply anti-spam, especially for websites who have comments, you know, below their blog post. Anti-spam blocks those robots are more commonly called bots from typing in spammy comments into the comments section so um, normally what happens if you don't have a plugin like this is these bots will come to your website and write some garbage comments in your comments section and just you know it ruins the whole user experience so having a simple plugin like anti-spam which is by the way free will prevent anything like this from happening so those are just a couple WordPress plugins that I recommend. There are plenty of other ones out there. I'll link some more WordPress plugins that I recommend and also some WordPress themes that I recommend in the show notes for this episode, which will be available at the 4501podcast.com slash 14. And so that's about it, guys. You have the two critical pieces of building a website, which is a domain name and a website host. And once you have those two things, you install WordPress and you're good to go. You just start creating content and customizing at that point. A setup like this will cost you right around $132 a year. That's $120 for hosting with DreamHost and $12 for a custom domain name with Google Domains. So that's all I got for you guys today. I hope that gave you a good overview of how to build a website. If you have any specific questions on building your website, please, please, please don't hesitate to reach out to Mark or I. We both have experience in this field and we would love to help you. So uh, at our website, the 4501podcast.com slash 14, drop us a comment. Let us know what you think of this website. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're there at the 4501podcast and we would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode. Please follow us on Twitter at the 4501 Podcast to keep up with the latest news and events. If you have any suggestions for episodes or would like to contact us, shoot us an email at the4501podcast at gmail.com.